Welcome to Grace Notes. We all suffer losses in our lifetime. Possessions, position, loved ones, friendships, health, even our youth. How we handle these show how much we trust in the God who made us, loves us, and has a plan for us. God gave us a complete picture of what it takes to react correctly to our losses in the story of Job. On our program today, our host Barbara Sandbeck will comment on Job's misfortunes and share a personal example close to heart. I'm glad to be alive. I almost lost my life on my wedding anniversary and my husband's birthday, which just happened to be on the same day. They say most accidents occur within 10 miles of a person's home. Well, this one was no exception. I was broadsided at the intersection of my street and a main road by a driver who ran the red light and hit me at over 50 miles per hour. I propelled some 30 feet into a ditch. The airbags deployed, the glass went flying, and my head was spinning, but I managed to stay aware. I remember thinking, oh, my van, when I heard the crash. It's amazing how a planned day can be so easily changed. You learn valuable lessons, though, when your life is interrupted, if you choose to be teachable. First, you immediately become aware of how fragile the human body is, both physically and mentally. One day you're feeling great, and the next day everything hurts and will for a while. Second, I learned that I like things to be settled. I don't need a lot, but I appreciate being able to count on having what I do need. I was perfectly content with my 10-year-old van with 163,000 miles on it. In fact, I had just patted the leather seat that morning and said, Thank you, God, for comfort. <laughs> God had given us this wonderful used van in a way that we knew that it was His doing. We'd had many ministry memories driving to and from concerts. Now it was totaled, and because of pure negligence, we knew we'd never get what was worth to us or be able to afford the comforts it had that were taken away in an instant. But James 4.14 puts life into perspective. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. <laughs> for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. If our life is but a vapor, and it is, then everything and everybody is just on loan. We need to hold things loosely, even what we consider a necessity. I appreciate Job's reaction when his day was interrupted. Now, if anyone deserved a rose garden life, it was him. God said he was blameless and upright, one who feared him and shunned evil. God had blessed the work of his hands and increased his possessions. But in a single day, enemies stole his oxen and camels, fire consumed his sheep, and all his servants were killed. Finally, his ten children were crushed to death in their house by a fierce wind. Now that's an interruption. Job responded with a symbol of grief and mourning in his culture. Listen to Job 1, 20-21. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is commendable. Yes, his possessions and loved ones were removed, but he kept a right perspective. They weren't his to begin with. 
resigned himself to God's sovereign will. We always saw the van as God's van. I was sad, but okay with its demise. But it doesn't stop here. To top it off, Job 2, 7 says Satan afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Now that's getting personal. They cut me out of the van to take me to the hospital. In doing so, they strapped me to a board in a position that is not normal for a spine to be in. The transport took only a few minutes, but it was enough to do damage to my hip. I am still undergoing treatments after several months. According to the doctor, I will never be the same. What do I do with that? It was interesting that my Christian doctor said he doesn't usually release a person until they've dealt with it mentally, meaning they've been able to forgive. I didn't have a problem forgiving the young man who was acting immaturely, but forgiving the incident that has changed my health is another story. Job suffered. You better believe it. Did he react the same commendable way? Not as quickly. Instead of going directly to God, this time, he spent days lamenting to his friends, trying to prove to them that his afflictions were not a result of sin, and he got nowhere with it all. But Job wasn't alone in his reaction. Even those with great faith had their moments. Moses and Elijah both wanted to die in the middle of their trauma. The prophet Jeremiah said he was sorry he was even born. Finally, Job turned to God. He questioned him extensively about his suffering and even why he was allowed to be born. He felt he was being treated unjustly and could get no explanation. I love God's reply recorded in Job 38.3. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Honestly, we have no right to demand an explanation of God. God had the right to judge Job, not the other way around. But God did answer him. He showed him who he is and who Job isn't. In Job 42, 3 through 6, Job finally got it. He says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, Listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. This blameless, upright, God-fearing man was humbled. In his despair, he had painted an incorrect picture of God as one who afflicts for no reason, overwhelms people with misery, and allows injustice. He didn't realize that God ultimately had his best interest at heart. This incident provided an opportunity for both Job and God to prove their faithfulness to each other. Job was being put on display as God's trophy piece because God was proud of him. He knew he would pass the test. What an honor. If we can view our losses as God's way of using us in his plan, maybe they won't seem so hard to bear. Job finally saw God in a way he'd never seen him before. In a sense, he forgave God for the interruption, though God didn't need forgiving, and he forgave his friends who accused him of wrong. Like my mom used to say, Job took lemons and made lemonade. He went on with life and what he was left with. He didn't make excuses for why he wouldn't be able to do what God wanted him to do in the future or spend time complaining about his losses. And God blessed him even more than he had before. Maybe it takes losing it all to realize Jesus is all we need to live and die. God will provide what we need, a replacement vehicle, a good doctor, 
the required funds, and healing if it brings him glory. And I'm okay with that. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered, I like this, a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So, we need to be still and rest in his daily provision. We must appreciate that God is in ultimate control. He has a plan for our life. And though that plan may involve interruptions we don't like or understand, it is a good plan. After all, Jesus did all the work. He suffered. He sacrificed to provide for our eternity. So we need never question that as a believer in Christ and therefore his child, every other need will be supplied.
Thank you for listening to Grace Notes. If you've been blessed by this ministry or would like a transcript or CD of this broadcast, please write and tell us at Sandbeck Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland, 21047. Or contact us through our website at www.gracenotesradio.com. Join us on our next program, and until then, let your grace notes be a song of praise.